I'm in a good mood tonight, guys. You know why I'm in a good mood tonight? Because I come up here every week to tell you how great NXT is. And it's not just a dig at AEW. I mean, they've got a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday. What, what, whatever will we do? This is, this is their go-home show. However will we compete? They have a, an alien and a, and a pirate and, and other things that I'm not going to say because I'll get kicked off the platform. But what are we going to do? They have a go-home show. What are we going to do? Oh, we're just going to keep being awesome. That's great. So what do I do? I come up here to tell you how great NXT is. And that's sometimes a struggle, because sometimes it's 50-50. You might like it. You might not. Sometimes it's a struggle, because I look at it, and I didn't even really like it. That happened about two weeks ago. But then there's episodes like tonight, where I just say, you don't think NXT is awesome. Here is the February 26th, 2020 edition of NXT. Watch it, and tell me that it's not awesome. Let's talk about it. A little excited tonight. Can you tell what's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, and the YWC Rally Check. Indeed, here with your February 26th, 2020 NXT review, and we are going to do the house cleaning, as we always do. First of all, if you're finding this for the first time, if you're listening to this in an audio form, go to YouTube, look up Spaz Phoenix, you will find me. If you're watching me, my pretty sexy face in the gimmick hat, and you want to find me in an audio platform, go to any potty, any podcast, Podio. That's where I was, I was trying to say podcast and audio at the same time. So any podio platform that you have, from the Stitchers to the Spotify's to the iTunes to the Google to the whatever, look up the Spaz Phoenix podcast, you will also find this show. And I don't say it enough, but go to Facebook, look up Spaz Phoenix podcast. There is a group on Facebook for it. There's not very many people on it because I hardly ever talk about it, but you should go and check that out as well. We are growing. We are, we are getting there. We are... Moving forward, we are still probably the smallest voice in the YWC, but that is okay. Now, what do I need to plug? I need to plug all kinds of things. What did I do yesterday? Two days ago. Two days ago, I did a quick update on uh, any of you that are interested in my spiels about Destiny Wrestling, my local fed here in Mississauga. They've got a show coming up in a couple weeks. We've got a couple really good matches added to that show, so go ahead and check it out, including what are they doing with Mustache Mountain? Who is Mustache Mountain facing at Destiny Wrestling's next show, Bad Intentions? Go back two videos, two videos, and you will see that and much more. And they still have to tell us what they're doing with Jordan Devlin on that show, because that's going to be good, too. What else do we have? We had what what went down actually today, technically yesterday when you guys are watching this, if you're watching this on the live stream. I did do sort of a rambling preview of WWE Super Showdown, which, as you're watching this, will have already happened, so it's kind of pointless for me to mention it. But if you want to see me talking about Super Showdown as if I'm talking to some stranger on the bus and not really... Not really having much to say, but making it last about a half hour, you can go and watch that. Hopefully, all things being equal, the night you are watching this, the Thursday night you are watching this, I will have hooked up with Guapo at that point, and we will be indeed previewing AEW Revolution. Now, it's no secret that I have my uh, opinions positively and negatively about AEW. They will be hashed over quite a bit. I am going to need the positivity of Guapo to uh, to balance me out because there's a lot of things I have to say about AEW and uh, not just my typical like little pot shots. I have some opinions that are not going to make me very popular, but in this YouTube verse, that is not exactly a new thing. But that being said, 
all the criticism I have for AEW, nothing has anything to do with the in-ring work in AEW, and I am all things being equal, and uh, if I'm putting my, my heart on my sleeve, despite those criticisms, I am looking forward to Revolution this Saturday, So because it, it does, at the end of the day, much as it kills me to admit, it does look like a good show. I don't like practically anything about how we got there, but the show should be good on the night. I'm saying right now that um, oh, Guevara versus Darby Allen will probably be the dark horse match of the night. There's your little preview of the preview that you're going to get from me and Guapo later on. So, what do we have now? I've plugged the hell out of myself. I've told you to go watch all my other videos. Why don't we actually get into the topic of the night, which is indeed the February 26th edition of NXT. We started off with the rundown of last week. We started off <laughs> recapping Dream versus Strong. And I will say, as much as we were looking forward to that... Um, it did leave something to be desired, and as the typical NXT pattern is is starting to be, we get the first match, we say that it underwhelms, and then we find out why it underwhelmed later on. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that later on tonight. We did get Angel Garza versus Leo Rush, the rematch, which they didn't stay on too much. We saw the weird um, Bel Air... I, I, there's a match going on, but fuck those people, it's more important for me to talk and do the, you don't even go here, again, we recapped that, and we recapped the post-takeover pissed off Tommaso Ciampa absolutely mauling Austin Theory leading into the match that we are getting tonight. We also start off with the image of outside full sail of Charlotte Flair arriving at the arena, and what does she do? She's met by William Regal, who's being all cordial, or all regal, as you will, and she tries to get him to bring in her bags, which is lovely. The only thing, because I will never go overboard, I will never stray into hyperbole and say that NXT is perfect. There's always something on the show that I could have done without, but because NXT is awesome like that, and NXT is just hooking me up tonight, they got that out of the way right away. The first match of the night is Dominic Dijakovic versus Cameron Grimes. And I'm not talking about it, because I really don't care, but I will hit on a couple of things. My first note, under under their names, on, on, the, on the gimmick, on the gimmick uh, clipboard here, the Doomy clipboard of Doom, Dijak versus Grimes, I don't care, is my note. But I, I did make a note that commentary is still trying to hype us up for another round of Lee versus Dijakovic, which is NXT's version of Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin, is it not? Now, apparently I have to explain that further because people don't get what I mean by that. I don't particularly hate Roman Reigns or Baron Corbin at this point. Baron Corbin is a great, weaselly, annoying heel, and Roman Reigns we're all sort of starting to begrudgingly accept him, but they've been fighting forever. Lee and Dijak have also been fighting forever. The matches have been phenomenal. These guys are two physical specimens that do unworldly things, but I want them to face somebody else. Now, the match goes on and on and on and on, and I don't have notes because I don't care about the match. What I do care about is Dominic Dijakovic moving out to the apron to do a random something. Somebody runs to ringside, absolutely takes him out at the leg with a fucking nightstick, and runs into the crowd. Eventually we realize, or maybe it's just my shitty TV, that it's Damian Priest. Damian Priest took him out, and uh, he almost gets a count out. And I'm t and I'm torn here, because as far as match I don't care about, but for storytelling purposes, I, I don't know how to feel about it, because the other guy in the ring is Cameron Grimes, who I also don't give a shit about. But he gets him in, he gets him in at the 9.9 .9 count, so he doesn't necessarily get counted out, because they don't want to make the big guy look weak, I get it. But he runs into the ring, and he runs into a cave-in. And that wins the match instead, so I don't know if that was a good character thing. Now that does, that does 
factor into something that I'm going to talk about at the end of the video because I really want to hear your guys' opinion on something. There's going to be a big question, a big, uh, I guess you could say audience participation bit at the end of the video. So that means if you want to know what that question is, you got to wait till the end of the video. But for right now, Priest, now I like this in a way too, and there's a little bit of built-in storytelling here because they had to rebuild to Lee versus Dijak when we got to TakeOver when it became a title match because before it was just a feud, here's two big guys, let's let them fight a bunch. And then Keith Lee beat Roderick Strong, you know, February is a thing. Uh, now it's become a championship and now they had one more match for the belt. But to rebuild Dijak for that title match, they absolutely buried not only Killian Dane, but Damian Priest. So A, Priest wants a shot at that belt, does he not? But also, he got buried in the process while Dijak went on to have another Keith Lee match. That, it works in a way. It's sort of cathartic for me because I don't want to see the match again. And it's not even necessarily to a point where I want it to be Damian Priest instead. I just want it to be somebody else. That's it, that's all. We get William Regal in the back being interviewed. He's got big news about the NXT Women's Championship, or sorry, the NXT Women's Division on WrestleMania weekend because the match, sorry, <coughs> the match for the NXT Championship is happening at WrestleMania, as it should. You've got two, two, keep it at two, superstars that deserve to be on the WrestleMania stage. Charlotte Flair won the Royal Rumble. That alone is WrestleMania worthy. Rhea Ripley is having her Becky Lynch from two years ago time right now. So put them on the WrestleMania stage. It puts it puts NXT on the stage. It puts NXT's women's division that we can beat AEW over the head with, as I say week after week after week, uh, on the main event stage, because it is the women's division in NXT is the best thing in the WWE. And if you're the best thing in the WWE, you should be featured at WrestleMania. That's just a thing. But what are the women going to do the night before at TakeOver? Because this big four pay-per-view, unlike the Royal Rumble, does have a TakeOver in front of it. We are going to have qualifying matches in the coming weeks and what we are going to have at TakeOver, I don't know whether they're calling it TakeOver Tampa or TakeOver Tampa Bay. I Somebody clarify it for me down in the box below, but we are going to have a, a number one, a women's title number one contenders ladder match at that show. So if you're not going to have the women's championship featured on the show, get all the other women that are awesome, like Shotzi, like Bianca, yeah, throw Bianca in there, Dakota, Tegan Knox, etc., and, and just let them have a ladder match. The last time there was a ladder match was when the, uh, I can speak, I swear, the uh, Street Profits became the tag team champions. And that was great, the four-way tag that they had, and I can't remember who else was in it. It's fine, but this is, a, this is a great announcement, and it's not the last exciting announcement about TakeOver Tampa that we're going to have tonight, because the immediate next one comes from Finn Balor. Finn Balor comes out, and he says, you know what, I'm just going to talk about myself for a minute. I'm not a moves guy. I'm not an internet guy. I'm not a stooge guy that's going to go bug my bosses backstage. But when I'm in the ring, when I'm in this NXT ring and the bell rings, I am the guy. I've built brands. I've done Japan. I've done Mexico. I've done the Intercontinental Championship. I've done the Universal Championship. And I've done the NXT Championship. It's WrestleMania season, and I've been at my peak for 20 years. What's next for the Prince? Who's next to get the rub from Finn Balor? I like that a whole lot. He starts rhyming them off. He's Gargano, Riddle, Ilya Dragunov. But then, then you hear that particular Imperium music. And you don't see Walter, 
but you see Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner, the tag team of Imperium, and I'm sure uh, Alexander Wolf would be with them as well, but I think he's still injured. Somebody correct me down in the box below. I still haven't caught up on NXT UK, but whatever. And he says, the ring, this ring, the ring that you're standing in belongs to, and I know they say it with a, with a weird accent. I think it, they, they're saying general, but I think they pronounce it the ring general. I'm terrible. I shouldn't do accents. It's fine. I'm another Adam Wilborn over here. But the ring belongs to the Ring General. The UK champion Walter sends his regards. And there's a two-on-one beatdown that doesn't work at first because Finn Balor fends them off, but eventually he gets taken out, thrown into the steps. That's the end of the segment. That's not the end of the story, though. The story is not Marcel Barthel. The story is not Fabian Eichner. The story is the potential NXT UK Championship match at TakeOver Tampa Bay between Walter and Finn Balor. Oh, yes, take my money. Because there's, there's a lot. There's a lot we could do there because they use Imperium to cross over between the two brands of NXT. That's fine. You've got a heel versus heel match where it sort of becomes, you know, who's the bigger dick? Now... Walter's got backup. I could see a scenario where Balor sort of co-opts some or all of the Undisputed Era because they have an issue with Imperium because they beat them at Worlds Collide. If he co-opts uh, whatever members of Imperium aren't already in a match that night, obviously not Adam Cole because he'll have a title match, etc. Um, there could be a really cool thing there because if he borrows the Undisputed Era, then there could be a power struggle between him and Adam Cole. They could do all kinds of things that could lead into another title shot later on down the line. I thought, and everybody thought, that Finn Balor was going to come off of that win against Johnny Gargano and go after Adam Cole for the title. And it would have been great because they had that match on, what was it, the first, or the um, December 18th Raw where they did the, or December 18th, NXT episode where they did the two big title matches and Rhea Ripley won at the end and she deserves it, rah, rah, rah. But that match was interrupted by Johnny Gargano and that in itself was a heel versus heel match, so it was weird. So if they had gone that way and given us the other, the, the match that we already see, the match that we already know is good, the two most popular guys on the brand and we will actually get a finish this time, that would have been a take a WrestleMania takeover worthy main event. What we didn't see was the absolute swerve of Finn Balor versus Walter for that title. Because here's the thing, I'm pretty sure Walter's going to win that, or there's going to be a no contest or whatever, and it'll be in the middle of the card, so that's okay. But if they went the long way, if they do what they did with the Cruiserweight Championship, except in reverse, have Finn Balor over in the UK brand for a little bit, Finn Balor could be the shot in the arm that NXT UK needs. I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that that's what they are going to do, but the potential of Finn Balor, because Finn Balor went over, he fought Ilya Dragunov, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people, I mean, he doesn't have to go over there to face uh, Jordan Devlin now, because Jordan Devlin crosses all the brands, because he's a rock star, but, man, and just the way... It was almost mafioso style, the way they just came down to the ring with with malice and intent uh, against another bad guy. Because it's it's you're creating a sympathetic situation for a guy that is a heel at the end of the day. But they came down there straight with a focus with malice in their hearts. And like I say, it was very, very mafia-like. You know, just, you know, the Don sends his regards. Except in this case, it was the UK champion Walter sends his regards. He's not even there. He's very very mob boss in that moment and he's not even in the building fucking brilliant so what do we have so far at takeover 
we have a women's ladder match to make up for the fact that we don't have a title match, and potentially Finn Balor versus Walter. WrestleMania weekend is starting to look very, very interesting. We see a video package on Austin Theory, and he's going to have a match with uh, Tommaso Ciampa in a little bit. Bianca Belair arrives at full sale, and I don't really care. Mia Yim versus Xia Li. Now, here's two stars. Here's two stars that are perpetually underutilized. I mean, Xia Li, they, don't, they haven't really given her much of a character, so I don't want to be mean about it because I do like her, and I do like the little bit that we see of her. But she really is brought out there at the moment to be the other body in the ring as they're trying to put somebody else over, which is fine. There, there's there's some usefulness in that role. But Mia Yim, as I've said a million times, she's the urban leader. I really like her. I think there's a lot of people that downplay her a whole bunch, and I don't, I don't get it. Is she the best on the brand? I won't say yes. But she's a lot of fun, and she deserves to be a lot higher than than she is right now that's just my personal opinion but a drop kick by him chop block and a low blow and a low drop or sorry a low drop kick there's no low blow it's fine uh, mule kick by leah face wash in the corner by yim both men trade some shots as a corner forearm by leah and an eat defeat by yim but then dakota kai comes out with raquel gonzalez and here we have some fucking beautiful storytelling fucking beautiful storytelling dakota kai comes out and says hey remember when you took my war game spot yeah, remember when I came and took my war game spot back, and then she just sends Raquel Gonzalez to just go down there and kick the living shit out of Yim and Lee after Lee gets a quick, I think it was a roll-up victory, that's fine. Uh, Gonzalez does this this really sort of awe-inspiring uh, one-arm powerbomb maneuver. Now, she's being the heavy, she's being the diesel, the Dakota Kai, Shawn Michaels, and that's fine. There's a story in that, in and of itself, but the story... Going way back to going way back to Survivor Series week and going way back to War Games, that she was so shunned by not being included in that team that she's slowly picking off all the team members. She's taken out her friend Tegan Knox by virtue of the fact that they're both friends. She's sort of taken out Dakota Kai. Now she's targeting Mia Yim. The story, the story leads back to who captained that team and who tapped in that team is the woman who is now currently the NXT champion and that is Rhea Ripley. Now, cards on the table, really, really, really thinking ahead. I don't think there's any real reason for them to have Charlotte go over Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. It could happen, but that's fine. But if the story becomes that Dakota Kai gets into that ladder match, she becomes the number one contender, and now that she's gone through all the other ex-teammates or former teammates or what would have been her teammates in that cage match that she's so resentful to, go back to the captain that shunned her, go back to the captain that shunned her and then came back to her when they needed somebody, go back to the captain that she tried to screw over on the night and still won the match and went on to Survivor Series to have cool moments and went on to do all kinds of cool things and left her in the dust, have that have that come to come to fruition later after WrestleMania. Have this be the post WrestleMania season feud for the NXT Women's Championship, Dakota Kai and Rhea Ripley. That's a fucking amazing story, and it's been built since Survivor Series weekend. That's back in November. We are in February now. If they haven't reminded you enough, it is still February for a couple more days. But this was back in November. This goes back to War Games. This is a story. She's picking them off one by one. Like I say, picked off Knox. Picked off uh, Candice LeRae. Picked off Mia Yim tonight. 
the next one she picks off should be Bianca Belair. And I'm not just saying that because of the typical reasons that I want Bianca Belair to be taken out. Bianca Belair is the last hitch on the ride, on the wagon, to get her to Rhea Ripley in that championship. Now, do I think she wins against Rhea Ripley in a post-WrestleMania title feud? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, because Rhea Ripley is a big, as much as I love Dakota Kai, as much as her heel turn was a billion times better than what they tried to do to Bailey, and I love it, and I love her as a character, I don't think she is on the ascension as much as, as Rhea Ripley is. But to get there, the story to get there is fucking fantastic, and I like it. It's really, really, really good. Then we get a weird promo backstage with uh, Velveteen Dream. He says some weird shit. Um... Old school Bray Wyatt, hey, he said some shit and he challenged this guy. So Velveteen Dream, a little bit different, but hey, he said some weird shit. He's not done. He's not done with Roderick Strong yet, and I don't know why. <coughs> He's not done with Roderick Strong yet. He beat him last week in, a, in an underwhelming match, but he beat him next week. They make reference to next week, where the cage is already going to be up for the Knox and Kai uh, blow-off, I guess. And he, and he doesn't just say, let's have a cage match. He, he talks directly to William Regal and says, Regal, go ahead and leave that cage up because we, we're going to have our match in the cage as well. Really, really good. Now, what happened last week? We, we go back to Ciampa. Ciampa, post-takeover, uh, post post-victim of Johnny Gargano's you know second or third heel turn. He's in a rage. He was trying to cut a promo about why he's so pissed off, about his current situation, about not becoming the champion, about the turn by Gargano. And he kept on getting interrupted by Austin Theory. Brand new guy on the roster. Had a really cool match with Roderick Strong on that, that pre-taped uh, Christmas episode that they did. But we haven't really seen him much since. And Austin Theory kept on trying to interrupt him. And eventually he got ragdolled within an inch of his life. But it led to this match tonight. And you would have been forgiven to think that this is just going to be a squash match. He's going to go in there, squash him in two minutes, and cut a promo on Johnny Gargano. But instead, instead we got this. Call over double tie and a side headlock by Ciampa. Right hands by Ciampa and a series of strikes by Theory. Chops by Ciampa, a mud hole stop, and a grounded side headlock. Ciampa tosses out Theory. Ciampa eats the apron on the outside because he tossed Theory on the outside. And they're brawling. And he eats the apron. Standing drop kick by Theory and some corner chops. There's a neck breaker, and this neck breaker that he does, you know when they do the turning neck breaker, and it sort of looks like almost a reverse stunner? Well, he did that, but he did it over the top rope, so when he did it, he slingshotted Austin Theory by his neck off the apron to the floor below, as Michael Cole would say, and that sends us perfectly, perfectly into commercial break. Mudhole stomp by Theory as we come back from the commercial break. There's a trip and a standing moonsault to the back. Grounded side, sorry, a grounded head and arm lock by Theory. Forearms and an Irish rub. Lariat by Ciampa. Stalling release German suplex by Ciampa. Back elbow by Ciampa and a knee shot. Corner chops. They trade some forearm shots. There's an Ushiguro, a modified Ushiguroshi. I don't know what they call it. Again, somebody, somebody who's either familiar with Austin Theory or familiar with Evolve or just familiar with the names of things in general. He goes for the Ushiguroshi, but he, he does that weird cradle where he grapevines the legs. They said it was something else. I didn't hear it. I wasn't sure. It's a modified Ushiguroshi. That's all I can say about that, because just Ushiguroshi is fun to say. There's chops. There's boots all over the place. They fight to the outside. Uh, on the way back in, Ciampa hits him with the Widow's Bell. Ciampa hits him with the fairy tale ending. And Ciampa gets the obvious win. Austin Theory was never going to win this match. The, the, the upside of this is this was the opposite. This was the absolute opposite of a squash match. Now, you got Ciampa, multiple-time 
NXT champion, champion of the brand, guy who's only not on the main roster now because he's told Triple H that he won't go to the main roster, and he got taken to the limit, you know, quote-unquote, that's the the uh, typical WWE registered parlance that they use for stuff like that, um, by a guy who's really only had two notable matches and one of them was on a pre-taped holiday show. Ciampa gave everything to Austin Theory in this match to make him look like a million dollars. There's a post-match assault by Ciampa. Theory tries to get back in the mix as well, which is just enough of a distraction to get a super kick by Gargano. Gargano then sits on the apron and just starts clapping. I thought he was going to do like the, you know, the rapid clapping and the rapid tapping on the shoulder like Ciampa does for himself to mock him, but he doesn't. He just really slowly like applauds himself while there's a dueling Johnny wrestling, Johnny sucks chant in the crowd, which is good. In the back, Strong is back there with the rest of the Undisputed Era, and he accepts the challenge for the cage match for next week, and then Adam Cole says, yeah, you're going to beat him in that cage match, and then they quickly move on to other stuff. He says, you're going to get the North American title back, these guys are going to get the tag titles back, and we're going to be fine. The one thing I didn't realize until recently is whenever we go backstage, uh, these guys have always got like their little like flag banner. I got my NXT banner over there. It's good. But they all like do it in front of their own banners. Like it's it 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 provides a little bit of an aesthetic, but also it's it's a free plug for WWE shop, is it not? I haven't noticed really, and somebody was mentioning it online, and I I've gone back and just you know quickly looked through a couple of other their promos. They're always doing their promos out of the back of a trailer, whereas most other people are doing it in the in the hallway, in the training area, in the locker room. They're always doing it in the back of these sort of tractor trailer trailers and it does give it it you, you don't notice it but it gives it a different feeling and it it's I don't know what it is I don't know what to call it but other than the fact that it's really really good so you know the prophecy will still be fulfilled you know the golden uh, the golden undisputed era will be what it will Strong's gonna have the cage match next week it's all good it is a little bit of a typical undisputed era promo but at the same time it covered all the bases and we're good you know what's really good the idea that both AEW and NXT just have a bunch of, you know, overhyped vanilla midgets. You know, little tiny scrawny guys doing their flippy-doos and all that sort of thing. And then you find out, hey, coming up next, Bronson Reed versus Killian Dane. Where's your vanilla midgets? Where's your scrawny guys? Where's your overhyped flippy-doos in this? Collar and elbow tie-up, and each of them attempt to slam, and it is a little bit of the typical Big Show Mark Henry, oh, I can't slam you, can't slam you, but I can probably slam you later on in the match. Single leg dropkick by Reed followed by a suicide dive. Do I need to say how terrifying the idea of a Bronson Reed suicide dive is? I really don't, do I? Boot by Dane in an elevated dropkick off the ropes in a corner body shot. Hard Irish whip by Dane in a series of forearms. Seated, oh, I missed the opportunity, didn't I? Hard Irish whip by the Irishman. There we go. Series of forearms, there's a seated abdominal stretch by Dane with knuckles digging deep into the ribs. It's good. Atomic jump and a bionic elbow by Reed. I thought they were going to make a Dusty Rhodes reference, but they didn't. That time is over now. Both men trade some forearms, some chops, some kicks, some headbutts. The headbutts are particularly brutal because they're two big, massive dudes. Lariat by Reed in a front slam and a back suplex and a corner hip attack by Reed. Uh, Samoan drop by Dane. Second rope DDT by Reed and a Death Valley driver. The, the Death Valley driver was almost a Death Valley bomb, but it sort of fell off a little bit. And it was a little less than perfect, which I've talked about this before, but when they hit a move and it's not quite perfect, sometimes it looks even better. Second rope superplex by Killian Dane. Look at the size of Killian Dane. Look at the size of Bronson Reed. Look at the size of the two of them combined coming down 
to the ring floor off the second rope. That's terrifying. That's one of those moments where you should have a break the ring moment. I do think, I do, I can speak, I swear. I do think there's one thing I need to mention, and it's not specific to this match, but it is for commentators in general. This time it happened to be Beth Phoenix, and I like Beth Phoenix, don't get me wrong. She's coming to Raw this week to tell us how badly Edge is injured, and I think she's going to get RKO'd, and I'm going to laugh a whole bunch because I'm a terrible person. Can we stop? Every time two big guys fight in the ring, one of the one of the ring announcers saying the cliche, well, they should have reinforced the ring because the Royal Rumble is a thing and there's not ever 30 guys in the ring, but 30 guys get in and out of that match over the course of that hour-long time frame or whatever. If they can hold that many bodies, there's no two bodies that are going to break the ring. I know they've done it. I did the, they did the collapse thing with the Lesnar and show, and then they tried to do it again with Mark Henry and show. It's fine. I get it. I get what they try to do with that, but it's one of those things. There's a lot of logics that we ignore in wrestling just because just because it works. You know, you kick me and you slap your leg, and I'm supposed to believe that the the slap that I hear is the sound of the kick that I'm doing to you, and that's not the case. That's fine. That's the stuff we can ignore. There is no way. Even these two guys, even these two guys, are going to break the ring. And it's 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 a little one step beyond. And I hope you guys get what I mean. And I, like I say, I'm not coming down on Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix is way better in that role than most people give her credit for. She's way better in that role than Renee Young was on Raw. And I didn't even mind Renee Young. But it is what it is. Three running sentons in a row and a Vader bomb gets the win for Killian Dane. Bronson Reed looked like a million bucks in this match. Killian Dane is a lot of fun because he's he's a typical crazy wrestling character, which is fine. It it's all good and just yeah, it was slow. The, the one thing that people were saying uh, online is that this match was slow, but not everybody not everybody needs to be a Keith Lee. Not everybody needs to be a big guy fighting against the big guy cliche, showing that he can do small guy stuff. I sometimes occasionally want to see big guys do big guy stuff and that's what this match was it was a lot of fun it wasn't really hyped up as anything it was just like here here's the next match on the show they didn't imply that it was for anything I'm gonna mention this again later on but uh it was really good and it, and it added to the theme of the night of that was way better than i thought it was going to be we thought we were going to get a typical announcement from finn balor we ended up getting an entirely different announcement we thought that the champa versus theory thing was going to be a squash and it was a damn decent match and it was a moment for austin theory this could have just been uh you know two big pork chops thrown at each other but instead it was a really good big guy match and it was good um we're going to move on to NXT, WWE, they don't really do tag team wrestling, do they? Except they did an entire tournament that was great and the Broserweights are awesome. Grizzled Young Veterans versus the Forgotten Sons. Now again, the Forgotten Sons are in there and you hear Forgotten Sons and you know, there's a reason they're forgotten. Ha 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 ha, whatever. But for what it was, and you, you, yeah, they, they hyped up the Americana thing, which falls dead to me because I'm up here in Canada. And, it, and I know it falls dead to a lot of the fans, specifically over in the UK, that grumble about uh, American-based stories in a company that's based in America, which is a little bit weird. But, you know, all it took was the grizzled young veterans coming over and shitting on America, and these guys standing up because we have the background knowledge that a couple of them were in the forces. So it's it's a little bit Lacey Evans, but that's fine. And better ma not, not a match that's going to set the world on fire. I don't want to get stray into hyperbole. But... 
It's better than you would have ever expected a Forgotten Sons match to be. One of them shaved their heads, so now we can tell them apart, which is nice. Jackson Riker's on the outside looking terrifying, and he never wrestles. So that's, uh, that's a bit of something. The last time I remember Jackson Riker wrestling was when they had a three-on-three match with Breezango and Kushida. And that was a while ago. Since then, Kushida's been tossed in a bin. Moving on. Blake and Gibson start with a collar and elbow type, and there's a headlock tackle by Gibson. Arm drag by Gibson, drop kicks for everybody by Blake. Now, there's a lot of Blake and Drake, Blake and Drake, Blake and Drake in this match. So I'm going to say something wrong at some point, and you're just going to have to forgive me in advance, because I'm a good guy, and you, you guys are all good guys, even those of you that are girls, and we're all just having a good time. So we're not going to pick on the host. It's fine. Double team by Grizzly Dome Veterans, the Rolling Lariats by Drake and into a headlock, forearm shots by Drake, front face lock by Gibson, uh, knee strikes and a sleeper by Drake, I, I, I cannot read my own writing, this is fucking bad, power slam by Blake, Blake and Drake brawl on the outside because, because NXT just hates me sometimes. Double hip tosses by the Suns, and they toss Drake into Gibson on the outside as we go to the commercial break. The double hip toss, throwing their opponent into their other opponent, was a pretty nice, visually appealing, symmetrical maneuver, is what I'm going to say there. Coming off the commercial break, the Grizzled Young Veterans are still double teaming outside the ring. Stomps to the back by Gibson and a grounded headlock. A neckbreaker by Blake. Forearms for everybody by Cutler. A butterfly by... Okay, I will say, uh, Brandon Cutler... The one thing he does really, really well that stuck... Well, not the only thing he does really well, but the thing that stuck with me in this match. He does this... It starts off looking like it's going to be a pedigree, but then it turns into a butterfly backbreaker. And it's always... It's one... Everybody... Every wrestler or every wrestler that you pay attention to has that one thing that they pull off really, really well. I always like when uh, Sami Zayn does the haluva kick. I always like when... Uh, what's his name? Gargano does the slingshot spear it's just it pops me and the butterfly backbreaker is just fucking gorgeous isn't it buckle bomb by cutler into a fisherman driver the grizzled young veterans double team jackson Riker on the outside for reasons and they throw him into the steps but then uh they come back in they hit the ticket to mayhem on one of the other guys i don't even remember which one it was because i didn't write it down grizzled young veterans get the win now i said going into this match that the Forgotten Sons haven't looked this good in a while. They haven't looked this relevant in a while. They haven't looked this formidable in a long time. But don't let that distract you from the fact that this was a showcase for the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, they, they cut another promo about, you know, Full Sail being full of American Yankees and neckbeards. And that's getting a little bit repetitive, but the delivery is still good. So I, I, I give it a pass. Not that they really need a pass from me, but whatever it is what it is. It is... Now, I, I, I contradict myself a little bit because I do say that they looked better than they have in a long time. They still lost when they had a three-on-two advantage, so that's not great. But it is great for the Grizzled Young Veterans being put over. Um, it's weird that they've gone the cookie-cutter, patriotic, okay, we're Americans, therefore we're faces in this feud. Because I don't think the, Grizz uh, the um, Forgotten Sons have ever been babyface characters. Now, they've done things in other places. Uh, Blake and Murphy, when they were a team, were... Were they face for a little bit before they hooked up with Alexa Bliss? I don't remember. But all I remember from that period of time is Alexa Bliss. Moving on. Knox is in the back talking about her cage match with Kai next week and how the only thing she couldn't have planned for at Portland was the interference of Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel Gonzalez has been removed from the equation by the cage, which means next week we're going to see how Raquel Gonzalez is not, in fact, removed by having the cage be a stipulation, which is fine. And then we have a random glitchy thing in its in its city landscapes and its pictures of skylines and its pictures of clocks and you know the countdown to mayhem is coming. Now, this 
pairs up with the glitchy stuff that they're doing on SmackDown. I mean, it looks entirely different, but people are assuming the same for both. And that is, once again, guys, help me out if you will. Scarlet Bordeaux and Killer Cross, tell me what I need to know about these people before they show up on my TV screens and I go, who are these guys? Tell it down in the box below. I'm depending on all you guys. Do it in the chat over there. It's fine. Put it down in the box below. Find at SpazPhoenix1 on Twitter, at SpazPhoenix on Instagram. Find the SpazPhoenix podcast group on Facebook. Somebody tell me what I should expect from Scarlet Bordeaux and Killer Cross because I don't know. And I just don't have the time to go watch Impact, especially old like reruns of Impact. Now, what are we all really here for? We are here to see Charlotte Fair take out the trash. Are we not? Now, that's mean, and Bianca Belair is not at all trash, but as far as her being an intrusive force in the match that I'm most looking forward to at WrestleMania, she kind of is. Now, collar and elbow tie-up as Flair forces her into the corner and then pushes her into a side headlock. Figure four headlock by Flair this early in the match is just cocky as hell, and I like it. Um, Flair in this whole match, before I go on any farther, Flair in this match just has this air about her. It's not... It's not cockiness, it's just confidence. She comes back into full sail, and it's like she's put on an old comfy pair of shoes. And on on a human level, I'm happy for her for that, because it is a homecoming for her, but also she just projects. She just projects something else. I'm not saying that she's like better than everybody else there or whatever, but she just projects, like, I've done this, and I've gone on to do a bit more, and I'm back. And that's that's important. It's, it's important for Bel Air in the sense that she's standing up to that and not being intimidated, not being pushed around by it. But it is also important for Flair to come back to where she came from, come back to the brand that she helped build, let's be real, and uh, much like Finn Balor, sort of remind, remind everybody where she came from, where she's been, but also remind them sort of where this brand came from and whose backs this brand was built on and I think there's a really uh, I've, used this, I've used this word a lot in this review but there's a really big cathartic value to that and as we move on from the front face lock, we've got a front face lock by Flair, a drop kick by Belair, a corner spear by Belair and chops by Flair, there's a lot of rhyming see we did Drake and Blake in the last match and now we've got Belair and Flair in this match, they're trying to fuck with me that's the only explanation uh, running low boot by Flair and a set of clotheslines by Flair, a neck breaker off the second rope by Flair, a backpack sleeper by Flair, a slingshot arm drag combination into an arm bar. Flair eats the post on the outside and it's followed by a quick pinning reversal sequence. There's a lot of quick roll-up attempts by Belair, which is which is good. It shows uh, urgency and, and quick thinking and all those all those good things. There's an X of the little bit, I want to call it a face, face buster slash X Factor by Belair. It was a little bit messy and I'm not just saying that because it's Bel Air, but it was, followed by the Implant Buster. And now, is it called the Implant Buster? No, but it doesn't have a name in this context. But So we go back to when Karma was using it, and it was, in fact, the Implant Buster. Go ahead and be offended if you must. Handspring by Bel Air. This was beautiful. She goes to do the handspring off the ropes and come back like into the moonsault like she does, but she goes up, and as soon as she's on her hands, Charlotte just perfectly placed boot right in her midsection get the fuck down then takes her down 
takes her down. This is the best part of the whole show for me because I hate the gimmick. It's super stupid. Takes her down by that stupid ponytail into a seated abdominal stretch. Stretching out the abdominals that, yes, granted, Bianca Belair has a lot of abdominals. She is a female Finn Balor in that regard. But let's stretch out all those abdominals that I just buried my fucking foot in. Oh, yes. Running splash by Belair. Backbreaker and a snake eyes by Charlotte in the walls of flair. Yes, I said it. They, they, they tried to cover it up on commentary. Oh, look, she's just done like a modified Boston Crab. No, no, fully. Fuck AEW. This was the walls of flair, and it was great. Not only that, but she put her down, adjusted herself, and then put up a Brock lock, which I'm going to call the flare lock, because I can. And then she goes into a powerbomb from that position. Dropkick by Belair, and then Blair hits a spear, but you know what's awesome? And I'll say it loud, and I will say it proud. Anything you can do, I can do better. Spear by Charlotte Flair gets the win, and in about 30 seconds, she re recovers from the win, celebrates a little bit, rushes to the outside, grabs a chair, crushes Bianca Belair's leg in the chair, locks her in the figure eight as Ripley's coming down to the ring, and gets out of the ring just in time for Ripley to stand tall with her belt. She's staring down Flair. Flair's staring down her. Bianca Belair is as irrelevant as ever, and everybody moves on. Ripley standing tall in the ring with her belt. Uh, Bel Air sort of limping around the ring somewhere and Flair exiting triumphantly through the crowd. Everybody wins. This was great. Bel Air looked good in the match. Don't let me take anything away from Bel Air in the ring. I never take anything away from Bel Air in the ring. But as far as her intrusive nature in this feud, it has to end. It has to end. It really, really does. I have pitched it multiple times. It's not that I don't want Bel Air to have success. I don't. It's not that I don't want her to have titles. I don't even care if she's at WrestleMania. We've got Baszler going after Becky. That's an NXT match. We've got uh, Rhea Ripley taking on Charlotte. That's an NXT match. Why don't you go three for three? Why don't you have Bel Air go after Bailey and win the SmackDown title? Change the entire dynamic on that show. I would. I would. I would applaud her. For that, because ba Bailey is doing fuck all, and even Bianca Belair is better than Sasha Banks. Oh yes, and Naomi, but that's another story altogether. Next week we've got two, count them, two NXT cage matches. It's NXT Lockdown, is it not? We're gonna fight against the idea that AEW put out a couple weeks ago that they've entirely reinvented the cage match. We're gonna have Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai. Raquel Gonzalez is gonna be sitting somewhere around, but hopefully, so will Mia Yim. Candice LeRae, Tegan, Tegan Knox, etc. And uh, there'll be a bit of balance of the power there. Dream versus Strong is also happening in the cage next week, and I hope it's a step up from the match we had last week, which, as I say, was a little underwhelming, but we're getting into that, we're getting into that uh, period of time now where the underwhelming matches are okay. Uh, Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai the first time around was underwhelming. And then we saw what they did at Portland. And now we're going to do it in a cage. The progression there is good. Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong was underwhelming the first time. I do believe second time around they will up their game. They will up their game proportionately to the uh, the stipulation that they're faced with. It will be really, really good. And now, as advertised, I have a question for all of you guys, and it's just an idea in my head. I started off this review talking about Dijak and how I really hate that they just keep pushing him and pushing him and pushing him into the match with Lee that we've seen a million times. Now. I have a question for you guys, and it's, what would you rather? I don't want Dijak versus Lee again. I really don't. And they and they even made mention that the uh, 
the North American Championship division, if you can call it a division, is heating up. So, take Dijak out of the equation. Who would you guys rather see challenge Keith Lee for that title? Now, I'm not saying who do you want to take the belt off him, because I don't think he's going to lose that belt for a while. So, whoever you pick here doesn't have to necessarily be the one that takes the belt off him, just who do you want his next feud to be with. I've even thrown Cameron Grimes in there, because much like Dijak, I don't care about Cameron Grimes, but for the factor of it just being something different, for the visual of him trying to hit the cave-in on Keith Lee, and it probably being countered with a pounce, I'm throwing him on the list. But here's your four names. You tell me down in the box below, tell me on Twitter, at SpazPhoenix1, tell me on Instagram, at SpazPhoenix, tell me in the chat right now if you're watching this live, because I'm probably right there too, do you want it to be Keith Lee versus Cameron Grimes, Keith Lee versus Bronson Reed, Keith Lee versus Killian Dane, or Keith Lee versus Damian Priest. Those four matches, Grimes, Reed, Dane, Priest, taking on Keith Lee. Not even saying at a takeover, I'm just saying a random North American Championship match on a random episode of NXT. Could be on the pay-per-view depending on who you choose or depending on how you want to do it. Um, but I really do want to see it. Grimes would be interesting. Reed, I'm just throwing in there because I really like him and I think he's fun. But Killian Dane versus Keith Lee is just another big beefy boys match. And Damian Priest is the one that made the move tonight to actually get everybody's attention, to get that shot. And that's that's another character that I think is incredibly, incredibly underutilized. He's sort of the antithesis of somebody like a Dijak or a Grimes where it's like, oh, you know what, they're really, really good in the ring and they're, and they're great at what they do, but they haven't given me a reason to care. I like it. I like the knockoff Brandon Lee Crow vibe that he's got going on, and that could be fun. Not necessarily saying he was going to win. Out of all these, honestly, personally, I'm saying I want to see Keith Lee versus Killian Dane, and of the four that I suggested, uh, if you want to talk about actually taking the belt off him eventually, I think you got to go Dane, but of those four names, you guys tell me down in the box below which one you want to see. Grimes, Reed, Dane, Priest. That's it. I'm losing my voice and I've rambled for 45 minutes now. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tacking out. And Charlotte took out the trash. Oh, yes. Don't shine,